Welcome to Laundry Talks. I'm your host, Eric Smith. Glad you could join us today. I wanted today's podcast to be a trip down memory lane. Remember some of the pains that textile rental operators had to go through in the past. Talk about how operators have solved many of those issues through technology, best practices, and training. I've been at Alliant a long time, but a lot of this stuff even predates me. So I'm going to need to use my phone a friend lifeline today to get some answers. Our first guest is an industry veteran. He started working at a textile rental company in Lincoln, Nebraska in the late 1960s. He was a supplier in our industry for nearly 40 years, developing laundry specific software solutions like route accounting and garment tracking system. And he was a pioneer in early uses of garment identification and sorting. Today, he's still working on some new labeling technologies for the industry. And for all those reasons, I'm happy to have him as my very first guest on Laundry Talks to pick his brain. And he happens to also be my father, Barry Smith. Welcome, Dad. How you doing? This is the podcast for the textile rental operator community to learn new things, share ideas, and drive conversations. Welcome to Laundry Talks with your host, Eric Smith. This episode is brought to you by Alliance Systems. Jay, I'm very honored to be the first guest. Uh, that puts a lot of pressure on me to make this thing successful, I guess. Okay, well, I'll hold you um, to that. Okay. <laughs> I don't know where to start when you talk about going back to uh, the late 60s, which is actually 67. It's uh, I can't uh, guarantee that what I remember is correct and certainly not going to be complete. But I do have some impressions. Um, I, I got into the industry really kind of as a very short-term thing because I wanted to learn about computers. I just completed a graduate degree in business. And when uh, in my last uh, term there, I had a course in computers and potential, and I decided I really wanted to learn about that. So I took this job really to learn about computers and programming and what potential it held. Uh, it was a rather in interesting interview that I had with Kai Roman, the owner of the plant in Lincoln, Nebraska, is he says, I want you to come in and program this computer that I have already ordered from Univac. And uh, my response was, well, I'd like to do that, but I've never programmed anything. And he said, well, you can learn. So I had one week of training the Univac offices on something called RPG, said for Report Program Generator. And then later we found that wasn't all that useful in some of our applications. So we went to a very basic machine level assembler language. I kind of thought about when you talked about what it was like, it's not just the route service representatives, which we did not have route service re representatives. We'd had route men at that time. Um, so obviously there's one change in the last 50 years. We didn't have any people, uh, we, we didn't have, uh, the women were on the plant floor and it was, you know, as, as it was then in many industries, it was a, it was a man's world. But when you talk about the uh, route service reps responsibilities, those were much different. When you talk about the machinery in the plants themselves, that was much different. And then of course the computer hardware was in incredibly different from what it is now. Yeah, let's talk talk a little bit more about the, the, Unifac, the Univac and the uh, actual hardware that was in place when you when you arrived. 
it actually wasn't there. Um, I think I came in July and the machine didn't get delivered until January. In the meantime, we uh, we started developing code or I started developing code because I was the only one doing it at the time. And we would use the Univex uh, office to test some of our programming. So when it came in, it was a central processing unit and a card reader and a card punch. There was no disk, there was no tape. And so we were punching up literally millions of cards every month because every time one of the goals was to track usage, which we hadn't been able to do before. So you're updating on the card, the, the usage for the last eight weeks and it changed every week. That lasted for about a year. And so this machine just would sit on a small desk next to you like a typewriter, correct? No, it's a room full of equipment, yeah. Yeah, that and a card sorter and uh, a key punch machine and some other things, so. So how big, like you described the scale of what we're talking about then, like a refrigerator, a bank vault? Uh, well, there are three, three pieces to it. It was probably about uh, 36 inches high. It was kind of like a cabinet, kitchen cabinet level. Right. And it probably was uh, an L-shape, 10, 10 feet on each side, maybe. Wow. So, and it had 8K of, 8K of memory. Wow. Not 8 meg, <laughs> 8K. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So, and was this on a raised raised floor also? Or This was it, not, no, that was, was not necessary for that size machine. As gotcha. we grew later, we had a raised floor and some large scale equipment, but. So the, the very first uh, item you were tasked with was just to work on automating the invoicing using this That's right. technology, In, which invoice, was brand new. Pack, and packing slips, that came first. And then once we had that going, then we converted over into the statement processing and then started doing production reports and that, you know, filling out, filling out the, uh, the uh, menu of the, the things that were wanted. And as we, moved into a service bureau operation, producing reports for other companies. Um, we, we added equipment and equipment, of course, got a lot, lot uh, bigger very quickly. By the time we moved to Dallas in 1970, um, we had disk drives at that time. So it was, it was a much different thing. Even, even three years later from the start, um, the change was, you know, from a, from a percentage standpoint was, you know, Amazing. So you've also told me in the past that one of the key big changes in the industry was back at that time, all the billing was really done after the fact. So when you would make a delivery right. today, it wouldn't be until the following week that the customer would actually be invoiced. Is that correct? For certainly for the larger customers, um, probably the best thing I did is spend a week on the route when I first arrived in Lincoln. And uh, I've drawn on that, that experience ever since. It was very helpful. They really had three basic customers. They had COD customers or even exchange for continuous roll towels, mops, mats. And then they had route and count customers. And he might build those out, but usually that was still done in the office on a delayed basis. And then he had what he called bag customers, which means he just put a accounting slip in each bag with the account, the account name or number on it. And that was counted in the plant. But yeah, everything other than mats, mops, you know, dust items were basically 
delayed even exchange, as they call them. And so eventually one of the great um, steps forward was when we get to a point in the industry where we're able to invoice at delivery that would ex immediately accelerate revenue and cash flow for right. the business. Right. And right. I know that there, you've told me in the past that there's a lot of customers that, that just, just that one week gain in revenue was worth the change just, just by doing that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, a big change. One of the things we did early on from a hardware standpoint is there was another plant in Hastings, Nebraska. And then when we moved to, we, we started doing um, transmission of data at very early stages in the industry. Nobody else was really doing it. But in uh, 1970, we, we got our first two outside customers. One was in Abilene, Texas, and one in Little Rock, Arkansas. And we installed something called uh, a KSR 33 teletype machine, which we had our customers input all of their data, basically at first, just the soil counts. So we would be able to get their documents back to them faster. That machine was punch tape. I don't know if you've ever seen punch tape, but it would uh, transmit at 10, 10 characters per second. So to get just the soil counts might take 25 or 30 minutes to transmit from Lincoln or from Hastings or Little Rock or Abilene. And then we had to feed that into a tape reader so we could punch cards out so we could put it into the computer. Wow. So it was uh, pretty primitive, but we thought it was, you know, really uh, very advanced at the time. Which it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, yeah, so out on the route from just from an invoicing perspective, um, there was just a lot of manual, a lot of manual, you know, tasks that the, the route service rep or route man at the time would would do. And I think you've even said to me in the past that he wasn't so much of a, a, route, a route service rep, but he basically performed a lot of other duties of the office on site. Yeah, well, at least at the plant I was in, the route man did everything he loaded his own truck which is probably not something people do anymore um and he would gas it up someplace uh usually at a customer and he uh one of his tasks was on there were cod customers a lot of the customers i'd say 50 percent of the customers were of the small customers were cod so he'd come in weekly want to get cash or a check to take and Oftentimes, well, the manager's not here. He'll be back in 10 minutes or, you know, so he was not able to get collections all the time. Well, that in itself was a huge problem when it comes to check-in because the unpaid invoices had to be uh, tracked and he was supposed to collect the next time. And it was fraught with issues and sometimes used by Routman as kind of a temporary loan service by right. collecting from customers, but not turning it in. But all of that was done completely manual, um, as far as the tracking of that, right? Uh, the, those unpaid right. invoices, right? Right. Yeah, and um, and so he, the route service rep was essentially like route service rep and a and a bookkeeper to some extent. Um, it's almost like an independent contractor in a sense, right. and he kind of owned that that business. Uh, and there were some great ones. There were some great drivers. There were some not so great drivers, but. Uh, yeah, but they, but they to really key. and to really kind of uh, you know kind of monitor and audit that there was really a layer at the back of the plant as far as 
supervisory auditing and checking in, and it just took a lot of time. Uh, up to an hour for a routeman to check in. That's pretty common to see that amount of time when we're printing manual invoices. 45 minutes to an hour is a fairly fairly standard uh, in a manual invoicing system, just because every every adjustment made on the route then has to be checked, audited, and even then replicated back in the office. And uh, you know sometimes people just make mistakes. They 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 don't they don't add it up properly. Um, and just how you deal with those discrepancies later always took took a lot of time. Yeah, they weren't hired for their math skills generally. <laughs> but uh, and that's really the the beauty of some of the new technology is that you can take these uh, these guys that just have great personality, great customer service skills, and kind of let them let them do their thing out on the route, but uh, allow some of the technology to take over those those tasks that have been problematic in the past for people. So so that's that's been a nice nice thing to see over the years. I'm kind of curious just to. What other, how many routes were they running at, uh, at, uh, in Lincoln, Nebraska? They were probably running 12, I suppose, and maybe six or seven in, in Hastings. And what was the mix of the plant as far as the product mix? It was more linen than uniform, but there was probably, it was probably 30% industrial if you count the, the mats and mops. So once, once you uh, developed the billing system, uh, what, what what were the key takeaways from prospective customers, people that put the solution in? What what was it that really, from a return perspective, what was it that really paid for those early computer systems? Manpower was much reduced once you have the systems in place. So usually that meant in the office there was less staff, better customer relationships because you're not making the errors. You can anticipate, because you have the history, you can anticipate more what's needed. And as you just mentioned in the routeman, you can pretty much eliminate the majority of the routeman's check-in if he's got everything correct to begin with. And he is not personally making a lot of changes or handwriting adjustments or selling stuff on the route. So, And what, and what was the limitation on the, a lot of the data was stored on the punch card, but what was the, some of the limitations? How many how many previous deliveries were you storing? How much information? The punch card had 80, 80 columns. So you could have 80, uh, what they call it, EPSIDEC characters. In other words, uh, the card had 80 columns, but each column could have multiple punches in it. So you could have the entire uh, ASCII code set would be available to you. And so I imagine uh, there was some maybe some heated words sometimes on arguments of whether what data that was going to be stored in the system versus data that was not going to make it onto that card. <laughs> uh, you're going back too far. I'm sure we had many discussions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but and then how long how long was it before you moved off of the punch cards? It was only about a year or so before we got the disk drive. The disk drive. Yeah, the disk drives, but they were only 1.6 megabytes. And they you had to turn them over like they were more like a tape drive because they were like an old phonograph record where you get to the end of the volume you'd have to flip it over <laughs> and and uh, that became a problem especially if we'd find out once in a while that there was an update that spanned the volume so you would and affected more than one person so you would flip the volume over only to have it stop again and said oh I need information on the other side still 
and right. do that several times. So that was that was fun. Wow, wow! You were around when some of the very first uh, mobile devices were being started to pop up in the industry, which were really late '90s, 2000, early 2000s, and I think one of the first mass-produced uh, devices used in the industry was the Dell, uh, right. Dell Axiom. Um, yeah, and that was a real game changer for yeah. the for the industry. Yes, we were. Yeah, I was personally very interested in bringing that technology to Alliant predecessor company, which I'll pr- point out, Alliant really, really is the same basic operating company it's been for 50 years. There's been some changes in organization and, and ownership, but it's really one continuous organization, which is pretty unusual these days. But uh, yeah, the it, I had wanted to have something for some time. And, and uh, so when finally Dell came up with something that could be used, and we had a great programming staff there that really uh, ran with that and came up with something several years before UPS was on the route with their with their devices. Yeah, I mean it's no it's normal now for you know every day to to sign for something somewhere whether it's delivered to you you purchase it and it's just kind of become you know ubiquitous for everyone. Uh, but probably one of the most amazing I think technology advances in in our industry and has really helped. Um, operators be able to grow. Uh, I've seen it uh, allow for the enforcement of, of biz- business rules out on the route and um, has just has just offered up so many benefits for operators. So yeah. Well, one other thing, <laughs> when you ask what the benefits were, surcharges. Yeah. The routemen had no ability back then to surcharge. And then in about 73, when we had a gasoline shortage, suddenly somebody had the idea, oh, we need to have a, a fuel surcharge and then we have to have some other kind of surcharge. And, you know, there there was just a plethora of different surcharges people could come up with. And, and really over the years, this amounted to a tremendous amount of, uh, of revenue for the industry. Uh, I think there's probably been some overuse of that in some cases, but anyway, it's it's certainly become a natural thing, and if I look at my if I look at my electric bill, I see the same thing. I mean, it's not this industry. <laughs> it's everywhere. Yeah, the, it's the everywhere. Everybody's figured out. Oh, we we'll do surcharges because that's free money. But it, but and it also allows that the surcharges, the creation of the surcharges, but the ability to to change those as the invoice changes at the point of delivery, regardless of any adjustments made. Um, some of those calculations would be very difficult to, to do manually today. So, yeah, and cash um, management, by the way, one of the things we always did was every day somebody had to take the money to the bank. I bet most people don't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably true. And less and less people are 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 moving with um, uh, are, are are using COD. You know, more and more people are moving. You still see it, but more and more operators are moving people off of COD. Uh, as they can, um, and just simplifying the billing, moving them to other payment methods, including credit card and ACH. Uh, I am kind of curious, um, looking back at the late 60s, it'd be hard to maybe envision the, what some of the technology has, has become today. I wonder you know, where you see some of the big technology changes. If you're looking ahead in the future, um, I'm sure our listeners would be interested to know 
if you're a textile rental operator today, what, what technology should you be thinking about or looking towards in the future? Well, I haven't been really active in industry for 15 years, so I really can't comment on that. But I can tell you that back in 1970, the, the Lincoln plant, the new plant was built, and it was it was revolutionary in that they had one of the first uh, soil was loaded into the 800-pound washers from a second floor through a chute. And prior to the building that plant, it was all hand-loaded. But the, the equipment was very basic. I mean, you had uh, flat flat work ironers, you had sheet and pant press machines, um, and, you know, the, the big washers, and you didn't have any wastewater control, you didn't have any uh, finishing tunnels, uh, you didn't have any continuous washers, you didn't have any automated sorting systems. And so the last time I was at a clean show, which was four or five years ago, I mean, the industry is just totally, totally different and has a lot of other, it's become more, much more complicated. Right. And I would say that as far as I am interested in your thoughts on the future of technology, because you've always been a bit of an early adopter as long as I've known you. While well, all my friends had a VHS uh, machine, we had the Betamax uh, uh, tapes and uh, because you always said that they were of higher quality and that they, they were. Um, same thing was bad, with, bad choice. So. <laughs> bad choice, but uh, but uh, also we had uh, you know we had you had a big satellite dish, and you also uh, have solar power at your house today. So I kind of look at you as a bit of a technology, yeah. Uh, you know, someone who who sees where some of the technology is going. Um, so I appreciate. Well, I don't know. I don't. I guess AI is going to affect everybody in some way. Yeah. Uh, it may be Alliance Systems as much as anybody. So. For sure. No doubt. But I think I think some of the things that Alliance has done over the last few years has been revolutionary in, in terms of anticipating your customers' needs on how they service their customers. You know, it's become really a partnership. And uh, certainly in 1970, having computer software, good computer software was a nice thing to have, but it's not a necessity. But now you're... Your information and system partner is is critical to success, I think, uh, and and that may be in house for large companies, but you know that's as important as any other aspect in the business. Well, thank you. I I agree a hundred percent with you. But and and before we wrap up here, I I do have I do have two quick questions for you, or maybe not quick, but two questions for you. One is, what is your sports affiliation? rooting interest what teams do you do you root for what sports well i live in dallas so the dallas cowboys are up there this year the rangers texas rangers are doing well so i've become a fan <laughs> a fair weather fan but having gone to kansas i'm a, I'm a jayhawk and uh, that's probably during basketball season it's a lot of fun <laughs> there you go perfect and then finally um even though uh the final question is, even though I introduced you as spending 40 years in the industry, technically you're still in the industry and just wanted to ask real quickly, what is it that you're doing today? Short answer on kind of what you're working on. For the last 15 years, we've been doing barcodes for textiles of all sorts, which are costumes, tuxedos, uh, clean rooms, a lot of clean room, and some uniform rental. And we've just uh, expanded our product with a new customer printable label that uh, 
we think is faster to apply and easier to remove. It's a, it's a product we're introducing actually June 10th in a in a release from uh, TRSA. So we're hoping that that product starts to uh, be a bigger part of our business. Perfect. Well, thanks, Dad. So appreciate you joining me and uh, appreciate all your insights. Hey, guys, thanks for joining us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got a great resource uh, that you can fill out. If you're interested in learning how to streamline your routes, we've put together a ROI calculator that just takes a few pieces of information about your operation and will run the numbers and tell you how much money and time you can save every day. Click the link below if you want to go to that webpage. If you're listening, you can go to the alliancesystems.com website, click on resources, then click on Laundry Talks podcast, and you'll find a blog recap of every podcast and a link to that calculator. Thanks.